Well, if you will now turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're resuming our walk through the book of 1 Corinthians in a message today we're calling Building Up. Talking about building up the Lord's church. One of the mistakes people have when they think about what a church is, many people think that a church is its building. But we know biblically a church is not the building that a church may or may not have. A church is the people of God. That New Testament word for church is the Greek word ekklesia. It just simply meant an assembly, a gathering. In our case, it's a called out gathering of believers in Christ. Now, we happen to be a church that has been blessed with facilities. And so we are very, very grateful for what we have here, this regular place where we meet. But we know that there are churches all over the world meeting in places like apartment buildings, maybe in a home, perhaps in a school or a storefront. Some churches meet outdoors, maybe under a tree somewhere. The church is the people. And we know that, so it's interesting that Paul here also is now going to use a construction analogy to talk about building up the people of the church. Last time we saw he used an agricultural analogy of planting and watering and God bringing growth. Then he shifts now to a construction metaphor to make the same spiritual point about building up the body. So let's go into our text, 1 Corinthians 3, picking up in verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Again, this shift in metaphors from him saying you're God's field. Paul then says you're God's building, talking about the people. And now he continues that metaphor and he talks about how important the foundation is. So our first point this morning is this. A church must have the right foundation. A church must have the right foundation. That takes us back to verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one of you take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of his ministry when he came into Corinth some four years before this, when he planted the church. He now using building terms when I laid a foundation there. So like a good builder, that's what he did. He uses the words here, skilled master builder. The Greek word here is architectone. We hear our word architect in there, don't we? And so Paul said, I, I know what I'm doing when I'm building, when I'm planting a church. I'm going to lay a foundation first like any good builder would do. It had me thinking this week about back in 2018 when we were building the, the new building right across the way there where we have our multi-purpose space, the student space, some adult classrooms. Of course, in that project, parking and all the stuff that goes under parking for drainage, that was a big project. But I noticed in 2018 in August 
they started digging. They broke ground, and they started digging down before they ever started building up. It's just what you do with a building. And I can say this. They dug deep for that foundation of that building. They used a lot of concrete, rebar, columns. It is structurally sound. In fact, I remember as they were building, before they ever started going up above ground, I thought, if we ever have a tornado, I'm heading into the student space, and uh, I think it's very safe down there. A strong foundation. In fact, here we know that Paul says, I want you to have no question about the strong foundation that I lay there in Corinth. The foundation is Jesus Christ himself. In fact, he's been quite redundant here, beautifully so. In chapter 1, verse 23, he said this, we preach Christ crucified. That's the foundation. Chapter 2, verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So that was the foundation of the church in Corinth and is the foundation of every true church ever since. The gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he was raised from the dead. On that good news, this church rests on Christ himself. So think about this. In the church at Corinth, there were people who had come to Christ from various backgrounds, from rich and poor, from slave and free, from Jew and Gentile. They had put their faith in Jesus He's the one now that they're building their lives upon together. It was a solid foundation on Christ himself. And likewise for us here, we as a church are built on Christ. We have a common faith in him, a common love for him, and our desire to please him here. The foundation is Christ. But then Paul makes the point, and there can be no other foundation than Christ. Back to verse 11. No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. When a church no longer builds on Christ, when a church no longer has Jesus Christ as the foundation of their church, when a church no longer rests on the gospel of Jesus Christ, they immediately become something other than a church. They might become a civic club. They might become a political action committee, maybe even a relief agency. But if it's not built on Christ, no matter what they call themselves in the eyes of God, it's not a church. There is just one foundation. It's Jesus. Now, we've all seen churches through the years leave that foundation of Christ. We've seen whole denominations leave that foundation of Jesus Christ. I was thinking this week about the United Methodists, and of course, we know they've gone through a recent split. But I think about Charles Wesley and John Wesley, those men who have so faithfully proclaimed the gospel and that Methodism kind of came out of. And I, I would think to them, what happened in the United Methodist Church is unrecognizable to them. They faithfully preached Christ and saw people saved and wanted to make disciples. And what they would see now in modern days is that's not the gospel we preach at all. A lot of talk about Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible that they preach. Unless you think I'm picking on the Methodists. And if you're from a Methodist background, you're welcome here. But Baptists have done the same thing. Plenty of Baptist churches have moved off of Jesus Christ. In fact, the church that founded us back in the 1950s, when our church was started, we were called Trinity Baptist Church down on Staples Mill Road, closer, closer to Broad Street in that direction, whatever direction, I'm turned around. So don't trust my compass. But, uh, but that, that, a fine church in the 50s planted what became Staples Mill Road Baptist Church. We're still on that same foundation that we were planted upon, Jesus Christ, him crucified, this gospel, no deviation from that. But our planting church long since left Jesus Christ. I was on their website this week, and I'm not mentioning their name just to be kind, but I was on their website this week here, a local church in the city, and uh, it's, it's unrecognizable. 
There, there's not, I'm sure they talk about Jesus, but it's, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. The one who died for our sins was raised from the dead. The one that we need to repent and trust in, that gospel not taught. Very proud of being open-minded is kind of their persona. Very much wanting to be in a temporary social causes, but not the cross, not resurrection, not the mission to take the gospel to the nations. And so today for us, let's inspect our foundation. Let's make sure it's true of us that we are on this foundation. This week in my own home, I had somebody crawling under my house to check out my crawl space. I got a little worried. It'd been two years since I'd been under there. And I thought, what if termites have come in two years? How much damage can termites do in two years? I got a little nervous about that. I didn't, I didn't like out of sight, out of mind. And I thought it started about mold and mildew. I don't know what's going on under there. So I called a pest control company. A guy went under there and he didn't come out as fast as I wanted him to. I had time to worry a little bit, you know. And so I wait and I wait. Then I thought he could lie to me. He could come telling me there are problems that aren't there. So I don't know what I'm in for. But he came out and he had good news. He said, it looks great under here. It looks great. No termites, no mold, dry as can be down here. Everything's great. Whew, good news. Hey, but let's do the same thing here. I think things are great, but let's make sure. And so let's take a look here. What is our foundation at Staples Mill Road Baptist Church? Let's talk about what our foundation is not. First of all, our foundation is not the shifting sands of novel theologies that blow through from time to time. Our foundation is not ministry fads that blow through from time to time. Our foundation certainly is not what the culture believes is morally true. That's not our foundation. Another thing that's not our foundation, it's not our pastors. We love our pastors. We have five pastors. I love being a part of this pastoral team, but we're not the foundation of the church. And, and here's what I know. That's not really a temptation here. I've thought about this through the years. God did not give me one of those big personalities where a church member would be tempted to think, well, I'm, I'm resting my faith on, on that guy and his personality. There are some brothers, super gifted, faithful, who have a lot of charisma, great orators. And for members of those churches, they can, they can almost begin to think, well, that's his church. I, I went to Bellevue Baptist in Memphis years ago, and Adrian Rogers was the pastor. Great man, very humble. He would never want anybody to think it was his church. But he's such a powerful, gifted man. You could be tempted at times to add a little too much weight to him rather than the Savior. We're blessed not to have that problem here. A more, a more muted personality here. But listen, that's a blessing to us. It's all Jesus all the time here. Listen, our foundation is also not our wonderful music. And for years, we've had wonderful music here that helps us worship the Lord. We're so grateful. But our musicians would be the first to tell you, we're not the foundation. These notes are not the foundation. All this is built on Christ and for the glory of Christ. Neither is it our children's ministry that's wonderful, our student ministry, wonderful, not the foundation. They'd be the first to tell you, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. We're just building up on that foundation. It's about Christ and him crucified. Now, for it to be true that our foundation is Christ together, it needs to be true of you as an individual yourself. Is that true of you? That Jesus is the foundation of my life. All my hope is in Christ rather than what many do is I'm going to put Christ on top of my life. He's just a little part of my life. No, he needs to be the foundation of your life. And if you're a mom and dad, is Christ the foundation of your home? Is he everything to you as a family? Are you building up and trying to build up your children on Christ? That's the foundation here. One of the classic hymns of the church has this line, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, and it is true. So we affirm together our desire to be on Christ until Christ comes again. So a right foundation, critical. The text also tells us, though, a church must be built on the right, with the right materials. A church must be built with the right materials. And this is Paul's main point here. 
He's telling them, I already laid a foundation. There can be no other when I planted your church on Christ in Corinth. But now everybody that remains in Corinth, how are you building on that foundation that I previously laid? You must build up in the right way with the right spiritual materials. That's verse 10. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And I want you to notice next this stern warning. All week I've been able to meditate on this and apply it to myself. I want you to join me in that now. Verses 12 through 15. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Paul saying, must stay on the right foundation, Corinthians, and you must build up with the right materials that are consistent with that foundation. But sadly, what we know of the Corinthians, they weren't doing that. Paul had brought Christ to them, priceless. They had put their faith in him, wonderful. But as they started carrying out church life, as we're going to see in the months that follow through the rest of 1 Corinthians, lots of problems. They were building up on that foundation in many worldly ways, as Paul would say, very fleshly unchristian ways there in the church and it was causing them all kinds of problem did you ever hear the story i'm sure it's fiction i heard a story years ago about a young man who was engaged to be married and his father-in-law said hey i want you to build a house and uh, and here's the budget and anything you don't spend you can keep so this man thinking he's building a house for somebody else he he starts cutting corners in order to save more money they didn't have more money for himself it all came as a sad surprise on his wedding day when he was handed the keys to the house that he had built cutting corners. Now he had to inhabit an inferior, inferior, poorly made house. Listen, how we build in the church is critically important. You and I need to bring excellence in our service to the Lord. Nothing else would be worthy of him. We can't leave major assignments from the Lord left undone in his church. We're to give our best efforts in our service to him. So that means in our teaching, in our preaching, in our music, in our care for others, in our carrying out the Great Commission, we have to give excellence there. And so naturally, even in some of the things I just mentioned, I've had to bring and, and consider application for myself. I've mentioned before that I'm aware that I get graded every Sunday, right? All three services, and everybody's very gracious about it, but I know people evaluate. But ultimately, I know that my Savior, He's evaluating. I care, I've care, I care tremendously about the body and, and, and is everything working? But also I know ultimately the Lord is evaluating. And I know at the end of my life, at the judgment, I'll give an account for how I led. So, so I'm in that application as well. But would you join me in that? What about you? This is all of us. Paul speaks about the church in Corinth. He'd already left. It's left to them. How are they as the members of that church building up? I want you to hear with me how important this is. And this is what was striking to me this week in study. I just hadn't really considered. I know the local church is important, but I don't think I thought about in these terms just how important it is. So notice our service to the Lord in a local church, that service will be revealed at the end. So your service in a local church, if you're a member here, your service here in this church will be, will be judged when Jesus comes again, and he's looking for different types of material. Paul talks about wood, hay, and straw. That would be us if we're serving the Lord with worldly ideas and principles, perhaps us serving in sloppy, lazy ways, not giving our best to the Lord. 
Paul said the other type of service to the Lord would be described as gold, silver, and precious stones. So godly biblical principles being used, giving God our very best. If you notice, this is temple terminology. Remember, God had very specific rules and guidelines for how the Old Testament temple was to be built. And so they were to use the right precious metals and all that. So he's using that metaphor for a local body of believers, not our structures, but our people. We're to invest in with what would be equivalent of gold, silver, and precious stones. So at the end of your life, your service in this local church, if you're a member here, that will be evaluated. That'll be tested by the Lord. That, that was striking to me to, to consider that again. Because we usually think about in the judgment, some other true things. We know at the judgment, we're going to give an account for our life. Uh, we're going to be how, how we serve the Lord. That's going to be in play. Obviously, the believer in Christ is not worried about going to hell, but, but God is going to judge our works. Sometimes we think it's, well, am I pure or not? Am I, am, how am I using my mouth? Those things, indeed, for the believer will be judged. But how you serve or don't serve in your local church, this is what Paul brings up here as what's going to be evaluated in. Again, very, very sobering. So yes, my preaching, my leading, evaluated by the Lord now, and there'll be a time for that to be evaluated at the end. Your teaching, your service in the church, our giving into the church, all these things matter greatly to the Lord. Notice he says the day, the day of judgment is going to disclose all this. So some application here is not serving clearly is not an option and not serving well is not an option because we're all builders building on that foundation. It's just a matter. Are we building faithfully or unfaithfully? So we're told here that our service is going to be revealed on the last day. Notice this. He just continues the thought here that our service is going to be tested on the last day. Back to verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. The quality of our service to the Lord will be tested and tried. Our wood, hay, and straw will be consumed. Our gold, silver, and stones will lead to a reward from him. But Paul makes clear here, for the believer in Jesus Christ, only your works are being judged on that day, not your soul. Do you notice how clear he is here in verse 15? He says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So there'll be those who have trusted in Christ, who will be saved on the last day and rewarded for their faithful service. But Paul says there'll be others who are saved who will suffer loss on that last day, meaning they will, will have lost any reward that God had intended to give them for their faithful service. So again, what about us as a church? And what about you as an individual? How are you building here? And how are we doing as a church? Are we building this ministry in a way that it will last or are we building in ways that are unworthy of the Lord? We could ask specifically, are we building up his church through prayer? Are we building up his church moving forward by faith in him? Are we building according to biblical principles or merely business principles? Is it our goal to make disciples or merely to make church members? 
Is there anything in us trying to impress other churches in town by the quantity of people? Or are we mindful? No, this is about our Lord, and we're worried about, yes, reaching a lot of people, but the quality of their discipleship. So is this a spiritual work, or is this a man-made work? Paul described himself as a, as a wise, skillful master builder, building on that foundation. How, how would you describe yourself here? How are you building here in this church? How are you serving? Are you maturing? Are you growing up like we saw last week in their text? And are you serving? Are you building up others in the body of Christ? So this evaluation time for us, as we inspect our foundation, this is not to be condemning to anybody. If today you discover, yeah, I haven't been serving. I haven't been serving well. I've kind of been, I didn't realize this was such an important thing. Again, these words not to condemn you, but I want you to see it with me in the text, how much our service in the local church matters to the Lord. But also if you find, like I've been falling short here, listen, you can, you can reverse that. You can confess to the Lord and then just make yourself your posture. I want to look for opportunities to serve in the church, really, until the Lord calls me home. Now, here's how this works. Sometimes the way you want to serve, those spots are full. I wanted to do that, and I'm not being asked to do that. Is there something else? I think we all take the posture of servants. Well, just what are some of the needs? And I may not be gifted to do everything, but, but what are some of the needs? And so that connection card is so important any Sunday. You can say, hey, I want to serve. I'd love to serve in this area. Do you need somebody here? But be open to serve because it is part of what God expects of us. But then this, our final point is this. We are to build up the church and not to tear it down. We're to build up the church and not to tear it down. That's back to verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Paul refers to the believers in the church at Corinth says, you believers are God's temple. And he gives a sober warning to them. Listen, because the, the church, the people are considered his temple, God's very protective of his church. He loves his people. And if anybody sets out to destroy his people, there's a warning to that person. God will destroy you. It's a threat coming from God because he values his church so much. So as we take to heart that, we understand we can't be neglectful in the life and service of the church, but we also can't be in any way intentional trying to harm the church. And so it's good for us to ask questions like this. Is there anything about me that's a detriment to the Lord's church? Are there any behaviors that I'm participating in that are harmful to his church that he regards as his temple? How am I treating others within the life of the church? How about this one? How am I acting even out in the community? Because there are things we can do away from this place when we typically gather that can harm this body of believers. Particularly if we're known for being hypocrites out in the community, are we not harming the church? We're making it less likely anybody would ever want to come here and experience life with us if they see in us hypocrisy in the community. We'd be harming the testimony of Christ in the community. We'd be harming the church. So God is very protective of his church. How seriously does God take this? We can go to places like Acts chapter 5, and we have that occasion of Ananias and Sapphira. Remember them? One of the Lord's first churches, they were lying in the church. They were taking credit for things that they did not, did not really do. And God's so concerned about his infant church there after the resurrection of Christ, after Pentecost, he was so concerned about this church that he actually personally removed Ananias and Sapphira from, from the church. And so we say, well, God certainly cares about his church, maybe more than we've realized. So that's a sober warning, but I hope you, hope you hear also an encouraging word here. 
that God regards his gathered believers like this in local churches as his temple, that he wants to dwell among us here. Now, we're going to have temple talk in two different sections of 1 Corinthians. First of all, here in 1 Corinthians 3, and he's talking to the church, the, the collective body of believers, you plural are the temple of God. What's coming in chapter 6, he's going to use the same temple terminology. He's going to talk to individual believers. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Both of those are glorious truths. Both of those truths, if you think on them, they're life-altering. So let's talk about what we're going to see, a little preview of chapter 6, when he talks about your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That shapes how you live when you know that's true. That God himself, when I trusted in Christ... God himself took up residence in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. That shapes how you live. And thankfully, the Holy Spirit helps empower a new life. Now, I've met people through the years. They really love the church building. And they can be very careful about the building. Hey, nobody touch the walls. And this is, the, this is God's house. This is his temple. No, not, not really. This is just the building. We're grateful for it. We want to be good stewards of stuff. So, yeah, we're not going to mess up the building. But this isn't the temple. You, you, the people are the temple and individually we're temples of the Holy Spirit. So some people who are very careful about buildings traditionally, sometimes not at all careful about their body. So maybe consuming all kinds of vulgar entertainment or participating in immorality, which is the context of first Corinthians six, we're going to get to, they weren't at all concerned about their bodies. And Paul had to remind them, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And here chapter three, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We should care a lot how we treat each other, how we serve in this place. Oh, it matters tremendously here. Well, let's conclude with this. Consider your life and consider your service. Is there anything doing, you're doing in your life that will last through the judgment? When your life is being revealed, when your works have been tested, what are you involved in now that has eternal significance that will make it through the judgment to be rewarded by the Lord however he chooses to do rewards? Or would you look at your life and think, I'm doing so many things that don't matter, that very little of what I do We'll make it through the judgment. That's all going to be considered by the Lord. Wood, hay, straw. And here's a moment, a gracious moment, because God loves you, a chance to really fix that. To repent of living after, chasing after things that we know don't matter and pivot into those things that are eternal. You say, well, what, what things are eternal? Well, we know the word of God's eternal. The word of God endures forever, we're told. So you being in the word of God and being one who's teaching the word of God to others, that's certainly eternal. We know people their souls are eternal from the moment they're created in their mother's womb. Then they're eternal beings from then on. And they'll spend eternity ever either in heaven through Christ or in hell without Christ. And so when we're investing in people, wanting to lead people to Christ and make disciples of people, we know in that we are investing in something that's eternal, that pleases the Lord. And so let's be about that. Final thought is this. We're in a church together with many people who are serving Jesus well. We would look around and we see a lot of people who are serving. We'd say, well, that, that's got to be that's got to be gold, silver and precious stone type of service. When you see those and there are many in our church serving like they, that way, would you would you not only applaud them, but would you join them? Like, I want to serve Jesus like that. I want to find my place or places of service to build up this body because it matters to the Lord more than I ever realize it. I want to serve alongside them to the glory of God. Let's pray together. God, we want to thank you for your word and and how you're so clear to us today, helping us to see how much the church that you've placed us in matters to you. Lord, thank you for reminding us that we are your temple. Thank you for this amazing privilege that you want to dwell among us. And Lord, in light of that, we just want to please you. We thank you for the free gift of eternal life that you've 
you provided for us, you purchased for us at such a high price to you. And so we've received that grace. Now, Lord, we want to then take to heart our service to you. Now serving you out of joy, out of gratitude, out of faithfulness. Lord, that many people would come to know you with us. So, Lord, help us as a church until you come again to remain on you, our foundation. And help us, Lord, to build each other up the way you've intended for us to do so. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.